0: You may be seated. Well, good morning, Stafford County Christian Church. It is so glad to be back in person at the church this morning. Uh, It was definitely a little different last week preaching from my garage. We made it work, Um, but I want to bring some announcements to you here uh, this morning. Um, Wanted to let you know uh, and say thank you for all that you've been doing through uh, your giving uh, of the non-perishable food items to serve. Uh, We have collected over 600 pounds of food and and taken it in our bins has been overflowing two weeks in a row um, so thank you so much for all uh, of the items that you have been giving uh, whether it's and whether it's right there at serve or here at the church um, so continue to give because they're still in need of of all of those things um, we're still in need of some supplies as we look uh, to reopen and and I said that last week and I said I wasn't going to use those words anymore because we have never closed but when we start meeting in person here at the church we don't need Need any more bleach. So we have uh, quite a bit of bleach for the time being, uh, but we're still in need of the hand sanitized uh, stations. So if you are all over the internet and, and you're looking, or if you have a connection to get some of those stations um, that, that we can put out in the hallway and in the sanctuary, uh, they would be, uh, it would be greatly appreciated if you can pick those up. Uh, you can donate those if you would like, or if you would like to purchase those and be reimbursed, um, whatever uh, you would like to do. Uh, those are things that we're in need of, and we're also in need of sanit- uh, sanitizing wipes, uh, bleach Clorox wipes that we can do the counters with and washing our hands with. whatever it is, the doorknobs and so forth. So um, we're also in the need uh, of those types of supplies as well, and gloves, um, just to where we have some gloves um, for that. We still have plenty of masks uh, here at the church. Um, So if you are in need of a mask, um, we have someone that has made the mask for us here at the church, and that is uh, something that we would like to give to you. So if you are in need of a mask, um, I encourage you, you can stop in uh, to the office during the week uh, and and we will help you uh, with any of those. I also want to let you know that VBS registration opens tomorrow. Now, it will be a virtual Vacation Bible School this year, but Lisa and Christy are working hard uh, to be able to make it the best that they possibly can. And if you have any questions about what that's going to be, um, I encourage you to reach out uh, to Miss Lisa, to Miss Christy. They will help you. Uh, They'll answer any questions that you may have, how you can get involved in in helping uh, run it virtually as well. Um, Also, um, our CIY, uh, in in just a short couple of weeks, uh, CIY was supposed to have happened in Cedarville, Ohio, but they have canceled that event, Uh, but it will be, um, they're they're putting everything online, um, and and instead of it being that week of June, um, we're able to actually move it back, so um, I'm working alongside of Jared, and we're trying to figure out what that looks like, and uh, working with CIY, he is is working with CIY to to figure that out, but we're looking at sometime maybe late late July that we would actually have um, the CIY conference that we can use those materials um, and bring our youth uh, together if if possible. And one uh, bit of exciting news, I know many of you have asked, and we're going to talk about this here in a minute, but when are we going to be meeting again in person? Well, the first scheduled meeting in person that we have on the books as of right now uh, will be July the 5th. We are planning a July the 5th service. It will be an outdoor service. It will be set up um, over uh, in the grassy area as long as it's not raining and it's not a mud mess, uh, we'll be set up over there. Uh, We encourage you to bring your own chairs, and we're going to have a a great outdoor service. We're going to have barbecue uh, that is uh, being catered in that you will be able to uh, take with you um, to go. It's going to be an awesome thing. We're going to put out a uh, a form to to tell us how many will be coming to that. That way, uh, we can know how many that we need to be prepared to serve, and then we'll have some extras as well. But we really need you to let us know if you're planning to come to that on July the 5th. It will still be the 9:15 service because we know um, in July it, it's going to be warm. Um, so we're still going to do that first service at 9:15. It will be outdoors, um, and, and we already have a contingency. Travis, what if it rains? What's that going to look like? We will lay all of that out to you. We'll be getting an email out. We'll be putting it on Facebook, uh, and we'll let you know. But we wanted to let you know that we will be meeting uh, sometime really soon. So let's jump into the message here this morning. And I have a question for you. Do you see the Bible as a collection of stories? Or do you see the Bible as just one story? You see, if we see the Bible as simply just a a bunch of disconnected stories, our tendency will be to make the Bible and certain verses all about us how we're supposed to behave, how we're supposed to live. And, and we can take one verse and we can make it fit for this occasion. And we can take this verse and make it fit for this occasion. And, and what happens is we take those verses and we pull them out of context of what they were supposed to mean. So during this COVID crisis, a lot of people, they've been referring to certain verses. And, and we have to be careful with that because it doesn't necessarily mean what they want it to mean because that wasn't the way that it was intended as we read the scripture you see if we see uh, the central narrative of scripture as the story all about god's glory if we see the bible all about god's glory we will find our place in light of who he is you see the bible is not about us And I know many of you get caught off guard because we live in America and everything's about us, right? Everything's about me, myself, and I and what I can get out of everything. But when we read the Bible, when we truly dig into the scriptures, we read and we understand that the Bible is not about us. It is about God's unfolding story of what he is doing in and through his son, Jesus Christ. I like what was said in a recent podcast. We've taken little bits of scripture and made them about us and what we're supposed to do. What biblical theology has done for me is it's helped me to see it's all about who Christ is and what he's doing. And that changes everything. I I sometimes hear pastors say, well, um, you shouldn't use too much scripture in your sermon because you don't want to overload them. Well, we should avoid diving too deeply into theology. We should dive, we shouldn't dive too deeply into the scriptures because we might drive people away. Actually, it's only by growing more deeply in our understanding of who God is that we will grow in our all and our worship of him. And what's great about that is the more that you dig into scripture, the more that I dig into scripture, the more that we share scripture with one another during the sermons, during life groups, during our, our, our Bible studies. Um, one other announcement I want to make sure that I make. Men, we will be having our uh, men's Bible study starting this coming Saturday morning. It'll be at 8 a.m. We're going to do it via zoom. So we will be sending out Sean will be sending out an email link for you to join into that at 8 a.m. And we're going to be getting our men back together women you have your Bible studies and they continue to go and we need to make sure that we are digging into the scripture because the more that we understand who God is and what he has done for us. And it's all about him. That's when we go, we can't help but share this message with everyone that we come in contact with. You see, unless we dive deep, we won't be able to anchor our souls, especially in times of turbulence like what we're going, going through right now as a country. We see all of the, the, the riots that are happening. And, and it it's all over the death of a man named George Floyd. And protests are happening, and we need to protest uh, during this time. And, and if you're willing to do that or you want to do that, then, then I encourage you to do so. And we need to stand up for, for what is right as a country. And, and we see all of this other stuff happening, and I'm not going to get into that um, this morning. But we need to be praying for Floyd's family. And we need to be praying that as a country we can heal From this. And we have all of the crisis that we've been dealing with um, as a nation and as a a world through this pandemic of COVID 19. Here is a list of, of questions that I want us to really think about here this morning, especially when it comes to the coronavirus. I know many of you are asking these questions How much longer is this going to last? am I going to get sick? If I get sick, how long will it last? Will I pass it on to others that are in my family? Who should I believe about this pandemic? There's many different sides to this, and, and who should I believe? Are we really running out of meat? Because when I go to the grocery, the, there's nothing on the shelves other than chicken feet, um, what do I do? I'm running out of toilet paper. When will we ever be able to come back to worship again? So what we're going to do this morning and for the next several weeks is we're going to take a break from from James. And eventually we're going to come back to it. But this morning, I want us to dig in to Romans chapter 8, especially the very end of Romans chapter 8 and then starting next week we're going to do a 5 week series on on prayer and, and the way that we we've, we've been called to pray and how we can pray for different for healing and for our nation and all of that. And then uh, in July we'll we'll jump back into our collision series in James and we'll finish that out. And one of the most effective ways to teach is by asking questions. Now it's Difficult to determine the precise number of questions that are asked in the Old and New Testament. Um, Part of that is there weren't um, punctuation that was used um, in in the original language in in the Greek and Hebrew, but Bible scholars have estimated that there are over 3,300 questions that are asked in the Bible jesus in just the new testament jesus used um over 300 questions likewise the apostle paul loved to ask questions and one of the best things that he loved to do was to ask rhetorical questions because they're intended to persuade us to make powerful points At the end of Romans chapter 8, we're faced with a a crescendo of questions with answers that are anchored in this deep doctrine that we need to be understanding. What shall we say? That's the way that Paul breaks this down. We're going to, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, we're going to be digging and breaking this scripture down here this morning. What shall we say? In the closing verses of, of chapter 8, Paul moves from information to application. What then shall we say in response to these things? And here's just a list of a few things that he has asked um, and, and talked about, statements that he has talked about just in Romans chapter 8. Now, there are many other things, but I just want us to look at Romans chapter 8. In 8.1, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. In 817, you were an heir of God and a fellow heir with Christ. In verse 28, God will work all things out for his glory and your good. In verse 29, he is conforming you to the image of his son. Now, two things come to mind in response to this question that Paul asks in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say? The first thing, the first response that can come to our mind, nothing. We can say absolutely nothing. I think as Paul really thought about this, he was stunned and he was speechless. Have you ever just been in one of those situations? You've received an undeserved gift. You receive it, and and you just don't have the words to be able to express how grateful you were for receiving that gift. And I think that's really where Paul was in this. What then shall we say? Nothing. In light of all that God has done, I can say absolutely nothing. But I believe that the second thing that the apostle Paul would say is everything in spite of who i am i've received this amazing gift and i need to be sharing this message with anyone who will possibly listen so here's what we're going uh, to see today conquering christians lock into the love of christ no truth will for, will transform your life more than the gracious love of jesus christ the love that jesus has for you nothing will change your life when you truly come to know him as your savior so here's what i'm going to do i'm going to list 5 facts uh, faqs uh, we're going to look at the frequently asked questions but then we're also going to give an fap a fap a frequent or a faithfully answered Promise. To every question that we're going to ask, we're going to give a faithfully answered promise. So the first thing that Paul breaks down here for us, who opposes us? And that faithfully answered promise is this, God protects us. Look at verse 31 again. If God is for us, who can be against us? The meaning here isn't if. If. We, we read if God is for us, but what Paul is trying to truly get across to us in the original language is since or because. Because God is for us, who can stand against us? When faced with foes that he didn't know how to fight, Elijah reminded his servant of God's angelic army. If we go back to 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, um, one of Elijah's uh, servants comes to Elijah, and, and there is just this massive army that's ready to attack. And this servant is scared to death. And Elijah, completely calm, says, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, 1 John chapter 4, verse 5, 1 John 4, 4 says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So what is your reaction to this statement? When you hear this statement, and I want you to be honest, when you hear the statement, God is for you, how do you respond? Do you respond with That's right, I know for a fact that God is with me. Does it make you smile or does it make you squirm just a little bit? Do you go, yeah, right, God's for me, I'm not seeing it in my life right now. Well, here's the thing, it is true whether you feel it or not. If you are a born again Christian, if you have given your life over to Christ, I want you to know that God is for you he is with you and nothing can stand against you there's a lot of things that can intimidate us in life right others may intimidate us but we have the almighty by our side growing up you may not know this about me but while i was in elementary school um, i wasn't very big uh, my grandma actually had me tested to see if there was something wrong with me because I couldn't put on any weight. My dad would say, I, I think you have a tapeworm because everything that you eat, nothing seems to happen. A- and I was, just, I-, I was just a skinny, small rail uh, of a kid. Um, and, and during school, I never really got picked on much, even being small. And for the most part, that was because I had big friends. And one of them was Chucky Reynolds. He was my buddy. We grew up... In the same little town, we did everything together, and he was always the one that was with me. I remember being a freshman, and and we would all you know all the freshmen would get hazed in in the lunchroom or at different areas, and and I remember there was a big stack of trays that they had gathered. The upperclassmen had gathered, and they just came and set them down in front of me at my table and said, "Hey, you need to take those and go wash them." And I had two seniors who were good friends of mine that we worked on the farm together and they said Travis doesn't have to do that but you can take him to the back man I felt like the big man on campus when that happened because I had people that were willing to stand up for me it just happened to me yesterday I was. Uh, I, I decided that I wanted some brisket. I I, I needed some good smoked brisket. So um, I got up at three a.m. I got it all prepared. I went outside and and I was getting the smoker all ready. And and the horse that uh, they they live on the one side of us. She's always out in you know in the pasture and she is just running back and forth. And and she comes up over to the fence and I see her standing there and and she's pawing. The fence, trying to get my attention. I'm like, gorgeous, what, what do you want? And, and with that, I turned around, and she couldn't get to me to protect me, but she was trying to get my attention because um, about 100 feet from me was a black bear. Now, he wasn't that big, and you know, I yelled and banged, and he, he scurried off, but here was a horse that was trying to protect me. Now, listen, you may have been that friend that stood up for someone. You may have been the person that had the friend stand up to you. Maybe a horse has stood up for you or whatever it might be, but I want you to tell you, I want to tell you that if God is for you, nothing, no one can be against you. Psalm 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? I will not be in fear because God is on my side. We need to hear those words and we need to repeat those words even in the times that we live today. Now this is not to suggest that you won't have opposition. Because you will have opposition. You will have foes. You will have adversaries. The point is that every opponent is puny when compared to God. God is bigger than the boogeyman. As I was typing this out, I as I was working on this sermon, I actually had to go back and watch the veggie tale sitting in my office because God is bigger than the boogeyman. I'm not going to sing it to you. You know it at home. You can sing it right now or when we're done, but God is bigger. And if you're a born again believer, God is always with you no matter what happens whether you feel it or not I want you to know that God is with you conquering Christians lock into the love of Christ God is your proponent and he is bigger than any opponent that you may be facing here's fact number two who withholds from us God provides for us we look at verse 32 to see this he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You see, the father's son is the promise and pledge that he not only protects us, he also provides for us. I want you to notice the word own here. This emphasizes the father freely gave his one and only son To die on the cross. And that phrase, for us all, it means on behalf of, meaning Jesus died as our substitute. Jesus went to the cross for Travis, Jesus went to the cross for Jill, Jesus went to the cross for Russ, for Barry, for Tana, for Liz. Matthew. Jesus went to the cross as our substitute. We go back a a few chapters to Romans chapter 4, verse 25, and we read there, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses. You see, this argument is from greater to lesser. Since God did not hesitate in giving his greatest gift, his son, certainly he will give a lesser gift, which is caring for us. One pastor said it like this, if God did the unimaginable greatest thing possible for us by not sparing his own son, then won't he do that which is far less demanding? If God would pay such a high price to save us, why would he abandon us? why would he leave us? The answer to that is that he wouldn't. He will always provide for us. It would be like a father making a full-size football field or soccer field or softball field and then saying to his children, I'm sorry, you can't have the ball to play the sport with. Conquering Christians lock in to the love of Christ. God protects God provides. And that leads us to the third frequently asked question. Who who accuses us? Who accuses us? Well, the answer to that is that it really doesn't matter because God purifies us. Look at verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies the word charge is taken from the legal word and refers to an accusation which leads to an arraignment. A Christian can feel attacked from numerous directions from the devil. According to Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, Satan, the accuser of our brothers, has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. Satan, the deceiver, wants to bring up every flaw that you have. He wants to point out every sin that you've ever committed. He wants to bring up every shortcoming before God about who you are. We also get accused and attacked from the world. Jesus said this in John chapter 15 verse 19, I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. He's talking to his disciples saying, "Listen, the world hates me. It's going to hate you, and I have called you out of the world so the world will hate you the way that it hates me." Here's where it gets a little sticky though. Yes, we we understand that the world is going to judge us and attack us and accuse us. We know that the devil's going to do it, but here's where it gets a little sticky. Because we also get attacked from our fellow believers in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5 verse 15 tells us Christians that we often bite and devour each other. You know it's said that Christians instead of reaching a hand down will push another Christian down. They see them laying on the ground instead of reaching down to pick them up. They kick them while they're down even more. Some of you are experiencing that right now. And we need to be so, so careful in our judgment and our pharisaical attitudes. And then from ourselves, we attack ourselves. Many of you have guilt and shame. And it just plays over and over and over again in your mind. You can't overcome that sin You can't get past your past. And that guilt and that shame, it just plays over and over again in your head. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you have been set free. There is now no condemnation. And we need to hold on to that. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, none of the charges stick. Because you have been justified before God. Fact number four, who condemns us? Who condemns us? Well, Jesus intervenes for us, and that's what we always have to remember. Look at verse 34. We read there, who then is the one to condemn? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross, because of the power that he displayed at the tomb, the position he holds in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the father and the pleas that he makes to the father, no one can condemn the follower of Jesus Christ. You have an advocate that is interceding on your behalf. I love what Tony Evans says. He says, the devil was disarmed and defeated on the cross. Live like it. Do you live like it? The devil was disarmed and defeated. He doesn't want you to think so. He still wants you to think that he's on the same level and the same playing field as God. He never was. He never is. He never will be. He has been defeated, and we need to start living like it. I'm reminded of what Jesus says to the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, verses 10 through 11. Woman, where are they? They've all dropped their stones. They've walked away from whatever Jesus wrote in the dirt that day. They've left. They've walked away. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And I love that. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, okay, you've been set free, so go back and live the life that you've been living and go live in adultery and live with whoever you want. That's not what is said here. He doesn't stop there. He says, neither do I condemn you. And from now on, sin no more. He is calling her to elevate. He is calling her into a relationship with him and then to live like it. That's what we need to do. We need to live like we've been set free. Too many of us, we live like we're still stuck in the world, so I might as well do what the world does. Whatever problem or struggle or fear or concern, whatever addiction that you are experiencing right now, hold on to the truth that Jesus is intervening for you. He is interceding you he is your advocate, he is sitting at the right hand, and here's the thing, he has the power to defeat the grave, to defeat sin, and he has defeated Satan. Conquering Christians lock into the love of Christ. Let's look at that fifth fact. Who separates us? Who separates us? Well, the faithfully answered promise is Jesus preserves us. Look at verses 35 through 36. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now that word separate, it's a pretty strong word. It means to place a wedge between, to divide asunder or to sever. It is a synonym for to amputate. Who can separate? Who can amputate? Who can cut you off from the love of Christ? And the answer to that is nothing, absolutely nothing can get in the way of the Lord's agape love for us. Let's be honest. Often we see this. As a list of reasons that we believe that God is displeased with us. Let's look at each situation threatening to separate us. Tribulation. It refers to being squeezed, crushed, or uh, crushed externally. Distress. Distress is to feel like the walls are caving in internally. Persecution. To be pursued with hostility because of your faith. Famine. It is the idea of scarcity that leads to hunger. Nakedness. To be destitute, not just to be naked, to not have clothes, not that you've just stripped your clothes off, but you are so destitute, you don't have anything that you can't even provide to put clothes on your own back. Danger is that of being in peril Sword, the slaughter knife. And and it's interesting that he uses this one at the very end. He says, or danger or sword. And then he quotes Psalm 44, verse 22. And, And he talks about the slaughter knife. And then he quotes this verse. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. We will all face torment, and we will have trouble inside and out. But none of this, nothing that has been listed here, can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing can break the bond between us and God. He delivers us from the things that we dread. Now I want to make sure that I make something very, very clear because some of you are going, but Travis, what about falling away? Does that mean that I can just kind of do whatever I want? Once I receive Jesus as my Savior, then I'm just part of God's elect and, and, and then I'm just set free and I can do whatever I want? Absolutely not. Because Paul talks about working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We're called to live a life of faith after we accept Jesus Christ. Yes, nothing can separate us from that love, nothing, we're going to give a whole list of things that um, we may fear, but at the end of the day, there's only one thing that can separate you from the love of Christ, and it's you. Only you can choose to walk away. He will never turn his back on you. It is up to you of what you will decide to do. None of these things can sever the love of Christ. And I encourage you maybe to memorize Jeremiah 31, verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. During these turbulent times, I want you to hold on to the unchanging and unshakable reality of God's love for you. This was true before COVID-19. It's true during COVID-19. And it will be true long after. Scripture is clear that we have been set free and we need to live like it and we need to remember that we are His. C.S. Lewis put it this way. It's one of my favorite um, quotes of his and I've, I've used it several times. Why do the righteous suffer? Why not? They're the only ones who can take it. You see, we are more than conquerors. Conquering Christians lock into the love of Christ because he protects, he provides, he purifies, he intercedes, and he preserves us. Verse 37 says that we should be more than survivors. We need to be thrivers. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us we're not just copers we are conquerors first uh, corinthians chapter 15 verse 57 says but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ listen if you've been listening to this message and you're still doubting god's unfailing love and commitment i want you to listen to verses 38 through 39 for i am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god in christ jesus our lord the items mentioned here are things that we dread don't aren't they we're all in fear of what may come we fear the devil we fear um, those evil spirits that may haunt us, that may try to harm us, that may try to overtake us. We, we fear going into the abyss. We fear the heights. We fear all of these things, but at the end of the day, nothing can separate you from the love christ jesus and i want you to notice that paul makes this extremely personal he says for i am sure that's how he starts verse 38 he says for i am sure that none of this stuff can separate us conquering christians lock into the love of christ One of my granddaughter's uh, favorite Disney shows uh, to watch, Uh, and we've kind of put it on the back burner for a little bit, um, but uh, Lion King. And as I was reading through um, the message, as I was putting it all together this morning, I, I really just, I thought of the illustration of when Simba and Nala, they go into the elephant graveyard and they come in contact with the hyenas with his back against the wall, he tries to growl. Simba tries to give that roar. And they just laugh at him. He says, is that all you got? And he rears back, and as he gets ready to to roar again, there's Dad roaring behind him. And the moment that those hyenas hear that roar... They are scared to death. And I want you to know that you have the power of that roaring lion behind you today. You have the power of Jesus Christ behind you who has all the power. and He loves you. There's one last question that I want to ask you and it's probably the big one biggest one it's the question have you ever repented have you ever given your life over to jesus christ have you ever said i i need a fresh beginning and i need him as my savior i want you to know that you can make that commitment right now If that's a decision that you want to make, I want you to contact me. You can put it in the comments. You can email me. You can call me on the phone. We can get together. We can get you baptized here at the church or wherever. I'd love to talk to you about what that means and then how to live that life beyond. For some of you, um, you you, you could... You've already given your life over to Him, but you've backtracked. You fell off the path. You're struggling in your walk. And right now, you just need that love in your life, and you need someone to talk with. You need someone to pray with you. You can reach out to myself. You can reach out to one of the elders, any of the other staff. They would love to talk with you, to pray with you. I also want to... We've come to that point in the service where we're going to take communion. And I want you to think about what has been going on in your life this week and what you need to ask for forgiveness for, how you need to remember what Christ did for you on that cross. And here in just a minute, we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the juice or whatever emblems you have and you're going to use those emblems to remember His body, His blood that was broken for you, that was spilled out for you he went to the cross for you. And we are choosing to remember that sacrifice. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you so much for today and for the gift of your Son. We thank you that we are able to worship you even though we're not meeting in person, we can still corporately worship. And, and Father, I just ask that uh, as we prepare to partake of communion that we remember what you did for us that you gave your life on that cross for my sins and father i thank you for that gift and that i remember that nothing can separate me from your love we pray all of this in your son's most holy and precious name As Travis uh, said, if you uh, have a decision to make this morning, or whatever that decision may be, please don't let anything uh, stop you and hold you back from making that decision.